I want to share, if I may, just a, a second here, just a prayer request. Um, the first one is for uh, Jean uh, and Elon Black. They lost their uh, son, Dennis, who I think had been in a uh, skilled nursing facility out of town. He passed away last night. I want to pray for them. Uh, and also, um, Sierra Shields, you would not know her. She is a a friend of Lisa Hackett. Lisa, where are you? Raise your hand back here. Uh, Lisa is an airlines attendant, and uh, her friend uh, went missing, um, who was also an airline attendant. Was it Friday that you sent that text to me? And just disappeared, and they don't know whether she was abducted or what. But let's just pray for a moment. You know, here's nothing... Victory never happens by chance. Victory happens because people have prayed directly into situations. Father, we pray firstly for Jean and Elon that your peace would be upon their hearts, God. They have been so faithful to the gospel and serving you throughout their lives. And God, uh, I want to thank you for Dennis. And thank you, God, that in your timing, uh, you have brought them to this place. Father, would you fill uh, Jean and Elon and their entire family with your love and mercy? Thank you, God, for who they are. They are your friends. They are your children, your sons and your daughters. And God, uh, I want to use one of my stones about which I'll be talking in just a moment, a couple of them. And the one is that nothing will be impossible with God. And that Jesus has given to us the keys of the kingdom so that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever we loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. And Father, I pray for Sierra right now. Lord, we don't know her circumstances, but we pray into her situation and into her life. And God, uh, whatever has come about her, whatever circumstances or people, God, uh, I bind every evil influence uh, against her right now in the name of Jesus, and I loose your presence and loose your love and loose your protection and liberty, and ultimately, uh, God, loose your favor upon her life and restore her back uh, to her family. Father, we bless her today, and we thank you that you can spring every trap that may have come against her and that she would see freedom now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, well, it's always a good thing to pray, is it not? Um, you know, as I mentioned, Cynthia and I saw the movie War Room. How many of you have seen that movie? Um, it's an amazing movie, and I was struck by one of the lines in that movie, which I just quoted, that uh, nothing happens by chance. Uh, but uh, what happens uh, is the result of people who actually... Um, uh, pray into situations and we have as you know entered into a season of prayer and fasting for 21 days we've called it a Daniel fast uh, and the purpose of that Daniel fast and for those uh, who have chosen to participate uh, with it and by the way it began last Sunday uh, the 10th of January and it will go through the Saturday the 29th of January, so that if you've not yet uh, participated, or if for whatever reason you're just hearing about it, there's still time. <laughs> uh, so you can join that um, fast if you would like to. Uh, and the purpose of that fast is actually to seek God's purpose uh, and that His purposes would prevail in our personal lives in 2016. Every one of us uh, have a personal uh, uh, story, and there are always circumstances trying to hinder you from becoming all that God's called you to become. So the first purpose is to seek God's purposes and that they would prevail in 2016. And secondly, to seek God together for His direction and mission of Myrtle Grove. 
You know, God has a destiny not just on people's lives, individuals, but God has destinies on corporate gatherings of people. And nothing happens by chance, but what happens in the economy of God is when a people begin to pray personally about their circumstances or their giants, and a people corporately begin to pray about their calling, their purposes, and their mission, then God is loose to move on their behalf. So we pray corporately for our mission going forward. And then thirdly, asking God for personal and corporate breakthrough uh, to become all that He desires for you and for us to become in this next year. And there are subcategories, of course, issues that each one of you are uniquely wrestling with, but the Daniel fast is a time to seek the heart of God and to pray directly into circumstances about which you're informed and to uh, cut out certain things to bring to mind that first priority, which is to present our hearts to Jesus and to seek Him for His will in our lives. So as we do that, uh, we will see then spiritual breakthrough because each of us are embroiled in and involved in a spiritual battle. Um, and God calls us to engage in the battle because Victory doesn't happen by chance, but by strategically moving toward uh, what we sense are uh, encumbrances or hindrances or things that need to be broken through in our life. Uh, so you need to determine what those things are for you. We need to in, uh, embrace the battle and engage in the battle. For Ephesians 6 tells us, and I'm only reminding you, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but we wrestle against principalities and powers, things that we don't really even understand with the natural mind. And I've called those things giants last year, or last week, and there are those principalities and powers, those giants in our lives, if we can identify them, number one, and then identify the weapons to go after them, we would see mighty breakthroughs uh, in this uh, coming year. Uh, each of us will have giants which will attempt to hinder us and thwart the purposes of God in our lives. What are some of the giants out there? I've had probably ten emails and phone calls from people that told me both about their giants and about their stones. What are some of the giants? Well, they could be personal giants like fear uh, or anxiety or worry. And I've encouraged you last week to find... Uh, five stones, uh, and we'll look at uh, that story of uh, David in just a moment again, but find five stones and make them your own so that you can use those then to go against uh, those giants that are in your life. If they're giants of fear, for example, or anxiety or worry, you may want to find a weapon from the Word of God that would be tailored toward that particular giant. If fear, one of the stones that would come to my mind is that God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but love and power and a sound mind. And as you begin to throw that then stone at that specific giant, we begin to win victory. Well, what about... Uh, if there's financial need in your life, or if there's physical pain in your, in your body, or if there's disease, um, find stones then that match that, or relational strains. You know, sometimes relationships just get sideways. Do you know that? Anybody know that besides me? Your children do things that you wish they wouldn't do. Or there can be estrangement. And, and, and God has given us ample weaponry to pray specifically through breaking hindrances and accomplishing victory by means of His Word uh, that He gives to us. So whatever is the giant, David then is our model. And I'm going to go back this morning and develop this just a little bit further. If you'd like to turn with me to... First uh, Samuel chapter 17. I just want to read one verse here. All of you are familiar with the story. Uh, the enemies of God were massing, the Philistines were massing against the people of God. And young David, who was keeping the sheep with his family, 
was asked by his father to take lunch up to the battlefield, the front lines, where his older brothers were engaged in this standoff, as it were. And uh, we find that when, he was, when David, young David, the shepherd boy at that point, came close to the army and began to then talk with his brothers, he heard and saw this big lumbering giant. We know his name as Goliath. And he was belching out all kinds of, of disdain against the people of God. Do you realize that's what the enemy does to your life? The enemy that you have, the enemy of your soul, has come to steal and scratch and to destroy who? You, me, us. You see, he is this, this foul-mouthed, lumbering uh, uh, entity that's spewing out deceit. He's lying against who you are. He's trying to shame you. Remember what you did back there? He's trying to keep you from becoming all that God has already destined for you to become. And if you believe it, you'll cower in the corner because of whatever giant you're dealing with. And God says, no, we don't have to cower in the corner. And young David, David knew that. David is our model. So in Verse 40, then, of chapter 17, uh, David then, I'll just go right to the crux of the story, he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in his shepherd's bag, in the pouch that he was carrying, and his sling was in his hand, and he was now, my parentheses, armed and the Scripture says, and he drew near to the Philistine. Now the question that I want you to be thinking about during this Daniel fast uh, is what are those giants in your life? Because nothing happens by chance. And if there are giants, formidable foes, speaking into your ears, trying to convince you of who you are not, however who you are is in Jesus. We sang about the blood. We understand His Spirit lives in us. And all we need to, be, to do is believe Him. But often the enemy will go at the very core of what we believe and he'll try to lie because he's a liar and he'll tell you that it's not true. He'll say things like, who do you think you are? Who do you Remember when you did thus and so? And somehow he'll try to cause you to slink away uh, from the enemy. So David, you remember, he took his, these five stones and he drew close to the Philistine. And as, 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 as David got closer to the giant, the giant grew. Would you agree? And all of a sudden, young David was standing before that giant within the throw of a rock. And David took something with which he was familiar. His sling and a stone that was smoothed by the brook. We're going to look at that in just a minute. And he loaded his sling with this probably pretty good size to have the downrange punch that it needed. He put a big stone in that sling as he looked at the giant standing there belching out hatred. I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air, you little... And, and as David swung, that stone found its mark in the middle of Goliath's forehead. And the Scripture says that he fell on his face before David. And David drew near to the giant and took the giant's own sword and took off Victory doesn't happen by chance. But victory happens because the people of God take strategic planning and going after those things that are in their life, cursing and, and trying to erode trust in God. Uh, what gives a person, however, that kind of confidence in the face of great challenge? That's one of the questions I want to ask and seek to answer with you. In fact, King Saul had the same question to young David. He was kind of, why do you, who do you think you are to be able to go up against this giant before the experience actually occurred? Verse 33 says this, uh, 
And you were not able to go up against this Philistine to fight him, King Saul said to young David, for you were a youth, and he, this giant, was, is a man of war from his youth. In other words, what makes you think you can go up against him? You know, sometimes that's what your friends will say about your situation. The people that are closest to you. Who do you think you are? Why do you think you can have this? Why do you think you can accomplish that? David said to him, verse 34 of chapter 17, David said, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it. And I delivered the, the lamb from its mouth, and when it rose up against me, I caught it by the beard and I struck it and I killed it. Now we don't know exactly what happened there, but I suspect that what you'll find is David on a hillside with the sheep, probably in the very, either in the midst of the night or right at the evening with scant light, and he heard a noise. And it was either the roar of a bear, the woofing of a bear, or the roar of a lion. And this animal came up and snatched one of the young lambs from the flock and drug it off in order to have it for its meal. I suspect this same David got out his sling and a rock and went after it. And when the animal turned to him, he struck it. That's what the Scripture says. Probably not dealing it a death blow immediately, but when he went over to finish it off, it rose up and David grabbed him by the beard, the mane, whatever that was, the bear or the lion, and he struck it again. With a club? We don't know. With a knife? Perhaps. But he killed the bear and on another occasion, the lion. Now, why is it even worth mentioning that? It's worth mentioning because lesser challenges give us the necessary experiences to take on greater challenges. You see, God gives us ample weaponry, but we have to be practiced in their, in their use or when the big giant appears in your life, a devastating prognosis, whatever it happens to be, you will find yourself powerless if we're not using the weaponry that God has given to us day in and day out by experience. We, you, know, you know the phrase, practice makes perfect. How did David... I don't know how David practiced, but I bet he had a whole bunch of Coca-Cola cans on the fence post. Now, we know he didn't have Coca-Cola cans. Whether it was a big rock, he'd hit that. Or whether it was a, a stump, he'd hit the stump. He was practicing using the weaponry that he had. He was trusting in the God of heaven as well when it came time to fight the bear or the lion. But lesser, we have to be experienced in the lesser challenges or when the giant shows up, we'll run for cover. You see, practice makes perfect, and it's, necessary. it's a necessary part of our development in the learning of any new skill in life. How we handle the challenges of today, beloved, will determine how you will handle the challenges of tomorrow in your future that are bigger than you can actually bear. As Matt George shared in our prayer time, we can't defeat the enemy in our own steam. We cannot defeat Him in our own power. It's not just practicing with a sling. It's understanding that God is for it. And if He is for it, us, who can be against us? He who gave His own Son, how shall He not with Him freely give us all things? And yet often, too many times, we're running for cover and not facing the enemies because we're not practiced it in using the weaponry that He gives to us. The weapons of His Word. The weapons of His Spirit. The weapons of our warfare, by the way, are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. You see, most of the giants happen within a person's mind. You see, that's where fear is engendered in the heart and the mind of a man. And if we listen to the chirping and muttering of the evil one telling you who you're not and what you cannot do, you will be saturated with unbelief and with lies. And if you believe Him, you're going to have to run from the battle. But see, God is looking for a people, not a, not a people who are perfect and not a people who don't even suffer at times 
But he's looking for people who in the midst of real human life, experiencing all of the good and the bad, God is looking for people who would still stand on God is good. God is faithful. And God has my back. And He will always provide for me. So I suggested last week that you find five smooth stones. Now, these are Scriptures that you will handpick for yourself. Now, David went to the brook, it tells us, verse 40, and he found five smooth stones in the brook. Now, what makes a stone smooth? Yeah, water, wear. Uh, it's been tumbled over time in the rainy season. It's washed downstream. It's sanded. It's the rushing of the water. It's use. And in fact, that's what God wants for us. He wants us to find at least... Somebody emailed me and said, i got 12 stones. I said, amen. You see, the more you have, the better, as long as you can carry them around. <laughs> but find five Scriptures at least. Memorize those. You know, use them sufficiently so that they become worn like the smooth stones in the brook. Every opportunity that you have. Become familiar with them. Exercise them. You know, God's given us dominion. And that means that every day of our lives, we ought to have personally selected uh, armament from God, from His Word, and be memorizing and using and speaking and declaring that in the midst of our lives. Why? Because victory doesn't happen by chance. But victory happens as the people of God pray and pray the Word back to Him and stand in the midst of, of that battle. You see, find five smooth stones worn because of their use. David, has lo David has lost, uh, had lost everything on another occasion. It's in chapter, I believe it is, 30. Uh, David was out, this is later in his life, and uh, he was out with his mighty men, and they were away from their city called Ziklag, Z-I-K-L-A-G. And this time, the Amalekites came against his city while the men were out in another battle. And when they returned back to Ziklag, they found that all of their wives, all of the women, all of the children, all of the young boys and the young girls, and all of their goods were taken by the Amalekites. And the Scripture says, in, see, what would happen if we came home and everybody was gone? You see, we've got to get inside the story of what David and his men were experiencing at that point. They were crying out. They, were, they wept the entire day, until, the Scripture says, until they could weep no more. See, David had lost everything to the Amalekites, the women and the children. And it says in verse uh, 6 of 1 Samuel 30, David was greatly distressed, for the people even spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was so grieved. Every man for his son and for his daughter. But the Scripture goes on and said David did something. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, what do you think that means? David strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, I'm just taking a figure of, of speech here about stones being smoothed in the brook. But I think David began to remember God's faithfulness. He began to work those stones. Not, not the same ones, but he, what do I really believe when everything's taken from me? What do I really believe when my own men, mighty men, want to turn against me and stone me? What do I really believe when those kinds of, if you will, giants, mental giants, begin to come against you? Who do you think you are now, David? I think David began to remember the bear. I think David began to remember the lion. I think David began to remember Goliath, the big giant that he was facing and struck him until he fell on his face. I think David began to remember and strengthen himself in the Lord. He began to remember, my God was with me when I attacked the bear. 
My God was with me when I attacked the lion. My God was with me when I attacked Goliath. He was strengthening himself in the Lord because he knew it wasn't about him. He knew he could do nothing to get his women and his sons and his daughters back and all of their goods. But as he, beloved, we must learn how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. How to take those stones that are ours and say them aloud. How to memorize those stones. My God is faithful, and God is going to return to me sevenfold what the enemy has taken from me. What are your stones? How are you utilizing them to strengthen yourself in the Lord? Because every one of you, I promise, are either facing giants today or you will in your future. That's the sort of the nature of life, isn't it? You see, we live in a foreign culture. We're ambassadors for Christ. We have a real enemy that, that uh, walks around seeking someone uh, to devour. So David strengthened him himself in the Lord. He remembered God's faithfulness with the bear, with the lion, with Goliath. He began to declare what was true about God, God's goodness, God's faithfulness, that God is for me. God is the one who has called me, David probably said. You see, prayerfully select for you a minimum of five stones. Not my stones, or not your neighbor's stones. Find those Scriptures that God would say to you, this is for you in the coming year. This stone is for you. My God will supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory. That could be a stone. If you're facing lack, if you're in a in an altercation with a giant where it's financial, begin to stand upon the Word of God and take it into your spirit. You see, begin to declare that Word. Prayerfully find those five stones. Why? Because the Word of God, we're told, is living and active. Now sometimes it, when we read it, uh, seems like shredded wheat without milk. You know what I'm saying? Do you all know what I'm saying? Sometimes you read the Scriptures and it's just like, is, is there even a God? I mean, you know, in our humanity, sometimes it just is not that fresh and anointed. But that's okay. Uh, but, but see, as we begin to um, immerse ourselves into the Word, we recognize that it begins to do something in our lives. Because it isn't just a dead letter. It, Hebrews tells us, 4.12, I think it is, that that Word is living and active. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it, being living and active and sharp, can pierce even to the division of soul how you feel. Uh, all that mental stuff that we bring to the table, it can divide between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it, is a, uh, it's, it will accomplish, accomplish what God has sent it to do. So even though there are times when it seems dry, if you will persist in the developing of your stones, you'll find the time when they become extremely powerful and anointed to come against the enemies that are uh, chasing you and chomping at your heels. Jesus used the word, in fact, to fight temptation. Remember in Luke chapter 4. He had fasted for 40 days. And the enemy came to him and said, Look at all these stones. Aren't you hungry? Why don't you change them into bread? That didn't seem like such a bad idea after you've fasted food and water for 40 days. That's a supernatural fast. There's no other way to explain it. But what did Jesus say? He drew upon one of His stones. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, living and sharper and active, than a two-edged sword, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, Jesus understood the power of living and active stones. The, the Word is like a sword, another imagery. The, the Word is like a hammer that smashes rock. That's probably not one of these little bitty 
hammer you drive tacks with. It's probably a big hammer that smashes rock. You see, the Word is like that, and it's capable of smashing every hard area of the enemy in our life. Um, Jesus used that Word. We will either live in fear in 2016 because of giants that are out there, uh, or we will live in faith. There are no other options. We will either cower in the corner and point fingers at the darkness, or we will live by faith. And the Scripture says the just must live by faith. You see, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And in Hebrews 11.6, and that's one of my stones for 2016, that the Scripture says without faith it's impossible to please God. You can be real smart. You can have all the world's goods. You can think you're pretty able right now to get along without God. And as long as we think that, we'll try. But you see, without faith, it's impossible to please the God of the Bible. Because he who comes to Him must believe that He is. And that He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. God's going to extract faith from us in 2016. How do I know that? That's what the Word says. You see, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. See, whatever you're, you're uh, leaning on for protection, whatever you're leaning on or trusting in uh, to meet your needs, if it's not God, one of these days it'll crumble. And that's the point at which you're going to face the greatest giant of your life when you recognize you have nothing by which you can stand before a holy God except His mighty love that He's poured out, the blood of Jesus that He's provided, and that He has brought you into relationship as sons and daughters. And all He really wants for you is simply to love Him with all your heart and begin to use those stones uh, that He has given you know, faith will be required. And in this next year, um, God is going to make some things new. Now, what, do I, what, am, what am I trying to say here? I'm just saying what the Word says. God's going to make all things new. Well, new is con- always contrasted to old. And, uh, you know, new, new wine, old wine, new wineskins, old, old wineskins... There's a number of places in the Scripture where God says He's making all things new. Let me just allude to them. I'm talking about future, and I'm talking about, therefore, uh, places that are uncomfortable because they're new. God says that uh, He's going to make uh, things new because He's given us a new commandment. Love one another. He's given us new life compared to old life. Can you compare... Uh, new life in Jesus to what used to be your old life without Jesus? I never want to go back. Anybody else? Is that true for anybody in here? Four of you? That's good. (laughs) You see, we all have an old life. We all understand, man, I don't want to go back and live that kind of life again. He's given us new life in Christ. He's given us a new commandment. He's given us new wineskins. We're in a new covenant, not an old covenant. We are now new creations in Jesus. If anyone's in Christ, He's a new creation. Um, a new heavens and a new earth. We await a new heaven and a new earth. He's given us a new song that we can sing about His glories. A new song. And He ultimately said, I will make all things new. You see, He's given us a new land. He's given us a new, pro- a new promise of a new experience with Him. Now, I want to end with a real short story. And it actually comes from the Scriptures in uh, Numbers chapter 13 and 14. I won't really read the text or go into it, but all of you are familiar with it. And that is in, uh, in Numbers uh, 13 and 14, um, God, uh, God through Moses, or Moses actually through God, was directed to send out spies into the promised land. God had given them promises. And He said, I'm going to bring you into a land that 
what you won't believe in. And, and he used words that were uh, metaphorical. They were, this is a land that's filled with milk and honey. Fatness and sweetness and, and richness. All of your needs are going to be met. And uh, in order to um, strategically understand that new land that was promised, God told them the dimensions of it. Um, Moses sent out uh, 12 spies. You remember the story. And 12 of them went out. And Moses said, when you get into the land, you walk through the land, uh, be careful, but come back and report back to us and bring some fruit of it. Well, they brought fruit back. And some of this fruit was huge fruit. Uh, we're, we're told that one cluster of grapes was between a pole and two men were carrying it. Those are big grapes. I'd like to have one of those grapes and bite into that thing. You see, and, and yet, after they went through the land and saw the promises of the land and the good things of the land, they came back and ten of them said, oh, the land is really good, but uh, we got this problem. Uh, verse 33 of chapter 13, there we saw the giants and the descendants of Anak came from the, who came from the, the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in their sight. You see, we saw these big people and we just shrank down to the size of a grasshopper. What were they looking at is the only question I'm asking here. They were looking at themselves, not at God. They hadn't found their stones. They hadn't polished their stones. They hadn't used their stones. They were trusting in themselves and not trusting in God. You see, they were... they. Uh, then they told Moses, we went to the land where you sent us, and truly it flows with milk and honey, and this is some of its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are stronger. The cities are fortified. They're very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. We said, oh, crud. There's giants in this land. Oh, crud. There are things that are trying to impede us from getting into the promises of God. Do you think that story's there just to be a nice story to read to Sunday school children? You see, the story's there because God wants to bring you and He wants to bring us into a land that is filled with the promises of God. Ten out of the twelve said no. And that cost them 40 years wandering around in a hot, rocky, desolate place called the wilderness. Forty years later, after that entire generation died, except Joshua and Caleb, the two that gave the good report, and said, we can take this Every person from 20 years old and older died in the wilderness. What are the promises that God has made to you and to your family for this year? What are the promises that God has given to His church, every place it exists? What are the requirements of her? What are the promises God has given to us and will we hold on to what is old versus grabbing by faith the new? Now the problem with new is it it looks different. And there's a lot of things about new that are unknown. And nobody likes unknown because there are great giants in it, or at least we think there are. And beloved, I think God is requiring of this congregation in this next year, it, it, it's not about style of worship. It's, it's not about, you know, two services, three services, five services. You know, it's, it's not about all of these, these things that we have made it, 
It's about laying hold of the promises of God and trusting Him. We have two more weeks of the Daniel fast. And I'm not naive enough to presume everyone's doing it. I understand fasting is not a popular subject. Uh, nor am I presuming that everyone can do it for physical reasons or something else. Uh, but someone left a phone message on my uh, answering machine, on my cell phone, I couldn't take the call, and they said to me, you know what, even if people don't do the fast, if they will find for them at least five stones, even one, that they can stand upon that stone, it would radically transform us individually and us corporately. Beloved, I'm inviting you to join in at whatever level you can. If you can give up meat and dairy and do the Daniel fast, that'd be awesome. And if you can't, find your five stones. Your stones. Not somebody else's. You, know, you find your stones that are yours and stand upon those things. And when the enemy comes, you'll have armament sufficient to defeat, defeat him. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be our finest hour. It's going to be filled with, with uh, flowing with, with milk and honey, whatever that means. The richness and the fatness of God's promises are huge to us. The only question is, will we be like the ten or like the two? The ten or the two? Are you a ten? One of the ten this morning? Or are you one of the two? You see, that begins to get more personal, doesn't it? Am I in faith, trusting God alone? Or am I in fear, trusting what I see or know or like? God said, Behold, I make all things new. Let's pray together. Dean, if you would, would come, and I'm going to invite for just a few moments uh, our ministry team, and we're going to just be available. So elders and, and spouses, any of our ministry team, if you'd make your way up here, I just want to close in prayer and uh, give us an opportunity to respond to God this morning. I think the Holy Spirit's spoken to us. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity of standing at the beginning of a very new year. Lord, I thank You that all of the promises that You've given to us in Christ are simply yes and amen. And Lord, I would pray today that by Your Spirit You would draw men and women and young people to that place of simply surrendering our grip on everything that's old and simply reaching out to You in faith for what is new. Lord, I don't think for a minute that means craziness or foolishness or wildness. But Lord, I want to remove my hands from every assumption of what that should look like and I simply say, God, I want all of You. God, I want all of Your promises. I want all that You have for us. So, Father, today in the name of Jesus, I bind every place of unbelief in my life and in the lives of my brothers and sisters. Lord, I bind every place of doubt, every place of accusation in the name of Jesus. And God, I loose life in this house. I loose, God, liberty among the sons and the daughters in this house. God, I loose wisdom and light in this place. 
God, I loose all of your promises to us in this next year. God, give us wisdom to walk in all that you have for us. And God, we'll be careful to give only you the praise in Jesus' name. Stand where you are, if you will, and ministry team. Some of them are here. Others, you might want to come up. If you want to dedicate afresh a part of your life or all of your life, I'm simply going to ask you to come and do that as we slip out. Now may the great love of God, our Father, may the life of Jesus who gave it all for us, and may the very closeness of Holy Spirit go with all of God's people today and beyond into this year, God, so that we would see Your promises prevail, light come forth, life be experienced, for we declare it to be so in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. If you'd like prayer, we'll be up here. We're just going to worship and pray together. If you want to pray for each other, feel free to do that or solicit prayer from one another. That would be great as well. God bless you and have a wonderful day today in Jesus. Just what to do